Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Office Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Tech People, where we continue to focus on customer experience. In today's podcast, we're doing a post-COVID review. How are companies managing the new challenges post-COVID, such as employee engagement and managing people, working virtually? How are they maintaining company culture? To answer this and many more questions, I'm delighted to be joined by Carol Henry, who has over 35 years of experience in customer service. Carol has kindly come on the show to share some of the initiatives they launched at his company, Lasership. Welcome to the show, Carl. Thank you so much. Love being here, Ken. No, thank you. And listen, quite excited to learn about because it's quite interesting. We've, we've spoken for the last couple of years about COVID and everything, you know, adapting to COVID and how companies evolved. But I'm really looking forward to, we never really analyzed what happens after COVID and how that has changed the landscape and what kind of solutions you come up with in your business. But before we get there, We'd love to learn a bit more about you and your career, please. So maybe you could just give us an introduction. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. And again, thanks for having me. I'm excited about this opportunity to speak with you and talk about this topic. It means a lot to me. So I'm Carl Henry. I'm from the States, born and brought up in the Northeast. I'm a lawyer by education, but not by profession. And I've been in the contact center business for 35 years or so. I've worked for some of the most amazing brands throughout the world in many different industries. I've had a a very varied, very diversified and very interesting career. I also spent about 12 years of my career, 12 to 15 years of my career running my own consultancy practice that led me to many different countries and again to some really fantastic opportunities to help companies transform. But as we're going to speak about today, there's probably no more transformation that had to happen in a short period of time than when COVID hit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a big shock to a lot of people, a lot of companies. Initially, I mean, uh, how was it for you guys? Well, at that time, when COVID did come to us, I had just transitioned away from my consultancy practice okay. and decided to accept a role for one of my clients. And that company is named Lasership. And I took the lead role there in terms of uh, leading up their operations. And it was like for any cut company and for anyone personally and professionally to be going through something like this, which we all did. COVID certainly threw some curveballs at everyone. Very true. Very true. So, I mean, okay, so then we come, I mean, we're post-COVID. I touch well. I mean, I hope we're out of this and don't go ever go back to it. But so how was the CX landscape, landscape changed for you, Carl? Well, I think for myself and for so many, and I've talked to a number of colleagues about this in the last six to nine months, one of the significant challenges that came about through COVID was once everyone got through the transformation of going virtual or remote, it wasn't only about how do you keep your associates productive and measure them and ensure that they're making metrics and so forth. You know, ensuring you have the right technology and solutions. 
But it also became, for those companies that were more astute and really trying to tackle the issue of attrition still, how do you manage morale when you don't see anyone or spend any time with anyone face-to-face? Yeah, and I think it's still, I'll be honest, I mean, I don't think I've heard one complete solution yet. I mean, I think in my experience, companies are trying different ideas around this. Uh, it'd be great to see what you guys are, have been doing and has that been successful or not successful? Maybe we could, we could go into some of the ideas that you've, you've worked on. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Did you ever watch the show, The Office? I did, of course. The UK oh, cool. one, not the, not the American one, no, but the UK <laughs> one. <laughs> well, they're both great. And uh, in The Office, they had a party planning committee, right? right. And, you know, it was very tongue-in-cheek and really uh, highlighted sort of the negative side of any sort of recognition efforts. It was always, you know, a bunch of people sort of arguing amongst each other and ending up with a cake that no one liked and bad decorations. Yes. Uh, And that was for an in-office setting. But we used to joke about that at leadership at the beginning and really thought, you know, gosh, it's time to sort of recreate a model here with a lot more dedication and serious thought put into the strategy behind a virtual recognition program, you know, tying it to dollars, tying it to metrics, that type of thing. And I'm very happy to report, and we're just one year and probably a week in from launching such a beast at our company, uh, specifically in my division. And it has been a tremendous success for us. So I'm happy to share sort of the approach about that. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and also, it would be great how you, how you measured it. But so how, how did you go about building that, uh, Carl? Yeah, we decided to appoint someone from the management team as a very okay. serious objective. I think that's the first tenant that really made a difference. So we didn't ask for volunteers. We didn't have anyone who was just shown interest, you know, become the leader of it. So we... We're very thoughtful about choosing uh, the right person to lead the effort who understood sort of the bigger picture of what we're trying to do. And again, the odd situation that our associates found themselves in being home potentially for the first time in their career and trying to feel engaged to a company that some of them had known for years, but now it was all new or some Mm -hmm. people who had just joined us and didn't even know the company, but were sitting at home. A very different dynamic and one that I think you know, has been shortchanged by a number of companies out there. So that was the first piece. We created a scope. We created a charter. Again, it was under sort of management review to present this charter. And then the approach of how we would bring on associates. And it was important to us that we allowed associates to express interest and and sort of quasi-apply to be part of this team. And we opened it to all levels of the organization. We felt it was important though, again, not to have you know, a director or vice president lead it, but a manager, but also invite you know, directors or whomever to be a part of it if they would like to be. And I'm- okay, So can I ask why is that? You no, know, again, just the diversity. We okay. wanted to make sure that this team was seen as very approachable, that it removed levels, that if I was a director on the team and there was a frontline associate who was on the team, we were peers, we were colleagues, we were in this together, we were going to make it happen. Okay. 
So the team ended up being about a, a group of eight to 10 associates, again, all different levels. And the other piece of it is we wanted various teams. So we have associates from, for example, WFM, quality training, frontline yeah. associates who may take a phone call or a chat or a text, which are different teams for us, you know, folks in reporting and folks in leadership, training, etc. And these people may have heard of their other names of people who had joined the committee. Right. Maybe a couple of them knew, knew each other, maybe to a degree. But it was an entirely new team of sort of like-minded people who wanted to create and help improve a culture during this you know, challenging and new time. It's always a difficult one to address the culture piece. Yeah, uh, I think yes. finding defining that culture for one, and then actually applying it in in a day to day setting, it's always a difficult one for right. any company. Right. So, sorry, continue. Sure. So we went about also securing a few tools for this team to use. So, for example, a polling tool or survey tools, those sorts of things, so they can reach out to the general population quickly. We made sure that, and we're a Microsoft Teams organization, we made sure that they had their own team channel and that we, you know, did some special things around that to draw people in. But, you know, it was important for us as we started to create what is this recognition going, this committee going to actually do and perform that we spend some time with the population through these survey tools and polling tools to understand what would be meaningful, what would be important, knowing that feelings change, you know, quarter to quarter or you know, year to year, and that we would have to uh, pivot as needed. But okay. that was again an incredibly important step. What kind of questions would you ask the employees? Have you any you can think of off the top of your head kind of sample questions? Sure. We wanted to know if contests were important and if they were why. We wanted to know if simple recognition was important and how is that defined if it didn't come with any sort of an award okay. we wanted to know what awards meant do awards mean something free and you're recognized by your peers does an award mean monetary you know some sort of award so a whole sort of plethora of different types of questions and what we ended up with was sort of a hierarchy of different interests and different reward types and that allowed this recognition committee to create sort of a pyramid of awards. So we have annual awards, we have monthly awards, we have things that could be weekly, awards that could be daily, all tied to different types of recognition at the end. Yeah, we went from uh, really simple things called uh, sort of high fives uh, that okay. could be, we caught you doing something great. <laughs> and uh we want to just recognize that with the entire team and celebrate Fantastic, that yeah. to year-end Oscars where, cool. you know, we uh, really surprised a number of people and brought them up on the virtual stage and the presenters were all dressed up with, you know, gold in the background. Because mind you, again, all of this is being done on camera virtually. Of course, yes. Interesting. And it was a fantastic experience. Brilliant. But actually, you know, you mentioned there about reaching out to employees. Was it difficult to get the feedback and get people to complete the questionnaires? That's a great question. We did recognize that 
we would have to set our expectations probably pretty low at the beginning and earn trust okay. and earn the respect. So we probably had, you know, 30% of the associates at first, you know, let us know what yeah. they were thinking. We did a number of follow-ups to sort of bump that up maybe to 40%. But as time went on and as success, you know, well, what, what's that old phrase? Success breeds success, right? Yes. So as the team became more successful and as there was sort of virtual chatter about the success and the fun that this organization brought to folks on a daily basis and the variety of awards, it sort of surprised people maybe monthly or quarterly. The numbers just increased more and more. We also stole some really great ideas. So here in the States during COVID, another office reference, John Krasinski, who played the, the character Jim, which is, you know, the main character of the office here in the States. Okay, I know him, yes. Yeah. He created his own channel during COVID called Some Good News. We decided to do sort of a, uh, a spin on that where we realized that, frankly, people like to talk about themselves, right? Especially in an environment where you can't see or really spend time with each other. People mm-hmm. wanted an outlet to just be able to share some good news. So we opened up a simple thing like a Teams channel for some good news. And that was a turning point. We had, you know, close to everyone on the team in that channel talking about how their dog did something or (laughs) a funny picture or video of their cat or how their child had won an award or how their spouse had completed a race or, you know, beat cancer or had received cool. a degree or whatever it might be. So it wasn't linked to the company with more external stuff. Exactly. And that, again, was an important turning point because people became much more personal. And there is a risk in doing that, but there is such a reward, right? Where yes. people may feel like they want to put up that fence where this is work and that's all it is. But they crossed over into sort of opening themselves up and by sharing some good news, and seeing the response of their coworkers to celebrate their good news, all of a sudden the entire division became the recognition committee, right? Fantastic, yeah. Sort of this sort of flagship team above it that helps sort of steer and navigate. And that was just one idea. And to get back to a statement I was making toward the beginning about metrics, you know, a number of, well, let me say it like this. A significant challenge for many companies, whether you're in-house in a brick and mortar call center or virtual, is attrition. Yeah. And you know, we had our challenges with attrition as well. I'm happy to say not as significant as others, but I will tell you that this recognition effort, again, a formal effort with funding, with tools, with the right leadership, et cetera, did positively impact our attrition. In 2022, I cannot draw a solid line to say because of this one effort or this one reward or, you know, uh, this, that or the other thing specifically that it dropped us from X to Y. But I can tell you without question that when we speak with our associates and I frequently just call associates while they're working or contact them on text or chat playing consumer and just touch base with them if I know our volumes are softer that day and unsolicited 
associates talk about the recognition program and they talk about the level of communication that the organization has that they've never seen before and that they enjoy. And I can tell you after 35 years working in contact centers, I have never heard feedback from associates that is positive about communication. It's usually the opposite. Yes, complaints. Right. And that I see is a really, a really big feather in the cap of this particular team. Wow, fantastic. Okay, that sounds really good. But going back, can I just go back one step there? Because, you know, I mentioned there, which is quite interesting, funding. Yeah. So you must have secured enough funding from the very beginning, basically, to support all these initiatives. Or did it case, if you do the research and go back, we need this amount of funding? Well, Ken, I know we know each other a bit, but you don't know this probably about me. I'm pretty tight. (laughs) I don't like spending a lot of company money, period. So when we went virtual and going through the budgets, there are certain things that you look at from a budgeting perspective that you no longer spend. Yes. I would look at those dollars and say, hmm, you know, I think I have an opportunity here to do something really great for our associates, but even still probably save money from what we were doing in the past. Okay. And so I just took a, frankly, a quite small percentage to get us going in this new year. I think in total, because of the success and seeing the value, I put in more money toward this, but we're still only talking, you know, a handful of thousands of dollars as opposed to, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. We just spend on recruitment fees and knowledge loss and everything everything that goes with that is just a massive cost. Exactly. Exactly. And in terms of, you know, obviously there's a number of initiatives. You mentioned some examples. Did you kind of, you know, what got you do the research, go back? Is it like, was it like a steering committee that you, you'd make a decision, okay, let's launch this initiative, try it out, and then let's go on to new ones? Or how did that approach work? Sure. Well, with the success of the court committee itself, we allowed them to truly be the decision-making group. If okay. it came to budget impact or something like that, they would certainly turn to folks like me. But, you know, they were so and are so successful that... And we felt very strongly that we didn't want to break something that was working so well. And throughout the year, to your question earlier about, gosh, that one room that we launched where people could just share some good news Mm -hmm. had nothing to do with the company. A lot more of those ideas became important. So, for example, associates wanted to talk about food. So there was a (laughs) cooking club. Associates wanted to talk about gaming. So there was a gaming club. And you would find, again, a way to have people identify their interests and congregate amongst folks who, one, they had something in common with because they worked at the same place. But now, two, we're taking it at a different level, right? Where they all love cooking, for example. Yes. They all love photography. We have a photography club now. Again, a majority of these things have nothing to do with work. But to me, they have everything to do with work because it is fostering such positive relationships that the loyalty and the commitment to seeing this group succeed, and I mean this group by the division and then the company succeed, has been overwhelmingly positive. Well, fantastic. Uh, Really, uh, really good. You mentioned there about, you know, staff attrition, and obviously that's a key metric. Did you, I mean, that those initial surveys, 
are you going to continue doing those surveys? Is there anything else you measure in those services, surveys in terms of like, do you give it like a rating one to 10 how, how happy you are, for example? We will be doing that. Okay. Because we've just completed our first year and in our business fourth quarter, which is October, November, December, is our busiest season. Um, we felt at that time it was most important to sort of ramp up recognition efforts because people are the most busy, but also where we could allow them simply just to focus on the production of their work. So we didn't want to take them away to, you know, think about other sorts of questions or opportunities. And we just throw them a lot of love and a lot of support and let them do what they do best. But we will be rounding back to that in this quarter. So happy to give you an update on that. Yeah, very cool. It'll be interesting to see the feedback because, I mean, and it's quite interesting there, like like I mentioned there, like the staff attrition, but I mean, Forrest have done numerous research in terms of employee engagement, which is exactly what you're describing there, getting employees more engaged and feeling part of the culture, how it actually adds value to the bottom line of the company because, you know, they're delivering above and beyond, the customers are happy, the customer reducing customer churn, for example which uh, then leads to financial impact. I don't know, is that something that could be measured in the future? I'm not sure. Correct. Well, in fact, my next meeting today is, and I'm literally looking at the invitation now, discuss the recognition committee and the tie to the attrition goal. Hmm. So uh, again, we take it very seriously. Uh, We are very much committed to better understanding and continuing to improve the well-being and health of our associates as well as our bottom line. Okay. So post-COVID, are you a guy that likes to work from home or do you like to work at the office or a mix? We are 100% from home. Okay. We uh, felt, and I think if I were to speak with, you know, a hundred different contact center leaders, I think after a real robust conversation, if it say that everyone was forced to pick one over the other, I think there's a lot of arguments for the hybrid model, but I do believe virtual should dominate and can. After living it here now a couple of years and the tactics and strategies that we've employed, I think the hybrid model would have been a negative for us. Oh, um, yeah. Why would you say that? I think the challenges with managing sort of a whole arm of technology. So we have technology in the office for when you show up and we have technology for you at home for when you're back home. I think that must be quite a burden. We had a little bit bit of that ourselves when we were first transitioning. And there was a lot of extra effort and work for a number of different associates throughout the company, actually. I think that It's difficult on the supervisory level. I think that level of associate is frankly the most important level of associate as it comes to getting results and speaking with supervisors, being able to have a relationship with your associates sort of part-time in the office, but never really knowing how to cross the bridge when they're not in the office was and is a challenge. So I believe in just being one or the other and uh, being all in for one of the different models. Okay, interesting. I'd be interested to see 
how that works out for the year ahead. But I, I mean, I do know, I mean, I've seen it myself firsthand. A lot of people do like to work from home now. There's obviously a certain percentage as well who like going to the office. And so it's getting that balance in between. Yes. And it's, it's it can be difficult to do one or the other. But I mean, definitely, I mean, it's just so many, we've all companies there that are so very successful and doing very well at it and, and then continue to thrive. So it's fantastic. I mean, great access to talent as well, of course, uh, because you've got a bigger talent pool to choose from. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think uh, that may be probably part of why I feel so strongly about the virtual model is the talent pool aspect. Okay. You know, we are not a national company, but we're pretty close to it. We're in about 75% of zip codes. And, you know, it has allowed us a great opportunity to source differently. And, you know, the level of the associate that we've been able to bring in leadership that we've been able to bring in from different territories really does sort of preclude our ability to do the hybrid. So that's, you know, been a big piece of it as well. Yeah. Awesome. Really awesome. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much. Really fantastic insights some great ideas, which I know the community would be delighted to hear. If I could just ask you, I mean, as we look forward into the future, how do you see CX evolving from, from here? Oh gosh, great question. I, um, <laughs> my gosh, we need a whole nother podcast on that one. I, <laughs> I will tell you, and this may be particularly just to a handful of the industries, but you know we have run uh, full force into diversifying the channels of which our consumers and our B2B customers can interact with us. And we have gone from something like 95% phone to 10% phone in a period of 48 months. I'm sorry, 24 months. So it's been a, a very, very fast transformation. You know, because of that strong injection of self-service and technology and you know more of the omni-channel type of approach, it really does change the dynamics of your internal team to those that are handling live interactions, especially those on the phone, need to be sort of a ninja team, if you will, who have different access to systems, different level of authorities, and can okay. really handle a significantly different challenge that comes our way. And that is vastly different than what I would say for companies who have not made that transformation where they're still paying the associate to handle really not very high value interactions. So I see that as a big part of the future. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, and especially to being more automation in place as well. That's right. Um, it's very much about specialists and the human approach. Fantastic, exactly. Listen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. If people would like to get in touch with you in any way, what would you recommend? Sure, they can uh, find me on LinkedIn. Fantastic, Carl. Listen, thank you so much for your time and your insights today. Thank you, Ken. It was a great time, a great opportunity, and uh, you do a fantastic job with this. I've learned a lot from hearing others on the podcast, and I hope others do as well. Uh, much appreciated, Carl. Listen, have a good day, and I uh, we'll hope to speak again soon. Thank you. You too.